Let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the so that's my story, and I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but if you do, I would say that's my story, that's how I share it, and that is what brings me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 27. Today's hug, what are you afraid of? Your unique fears. I am Dr. Tamia West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. So, the night is dark and full of terrors. According to Siri, 17 million of you will get that reference. Game of Thrones. Yep, I'm a fan and I'm kind of sad that it's over. Well, I'm not kind of sad. I'm super sad that it's over. And by the way, there is a hidden lesson. I think I could talk about this maybe another time. I am speaking into existence that there will be over 17 million of you who are listening. So hopefully you are sharing the show. Uh, But if you don't watch, uh, in the show, horrific things happen at night. So if you aren't a fan, it's basically zombies called White Walkers. And when I shared my journey during episode one, and I'll put a link there in case you want to, in case you haven't heard it, I talked about my panic attacks. So for several years as a child... When the sun would begin to set, I would be filled with terror. Um, Over what? You know, at that point in my life, my mind could not really grab on to anything specific. And that's part of the nature of panic attacks. So last week, I think I was reading, I don't even remember what it was, it was a blog. And the person who wrote the blog put that acronym for fear that you've probably heard before. And they said it was false evidence appearing real. Well, I don't know. Maybe it depends on what you mean by evidence. And I get, I get what those who use that, because it's, it's a pretty popular way to describe fear. And I get it. And I think it's helpful. I understand what they're trying to say. But I am of the mindset that if you are having fear, then there's something, there's some foundational evidence of something that has happened and we just haven't figured it out yet and we haven't worked through it yet. So I'll come back to this at the end just to kind of wrap it all up. But as an adult, I can look back at those panic attacks and I can see what was happening. So today we're going to do a little bit of self-psychotherapy. So I'm going to share two terror stories, kind of nighttime terror stories of my own. And I had very different reactions to them. And as I'm sharing, or maybe after, as you kind of figure out where it is I'm going, then I really want you to think of two situations in your life that were big, they were a big deal to you, and you had very different reactions to them. And then let's let's analyze for our current selves and for our future selves, because remember, the goal of our show is to take steps toward better mental and emotional well-being. The first story happened on December 22nd, 1994, three days before Christmas. You may already know the story. If you've been with me, you know, when I speak, sometimes I will tell stories when I speak live and also on the show. So I was married before and my first husband and I, and we have three children together. And it was a few days before Christmas. We had gone out to see a Christmas show at Opryland here in Nashville. Um, 
Well, not at Opryland. At the Opry. Yeah. So we get home. My mom was with the kids. She goes home. They were asleep. We go to bed. And in the middle of the night, it was about 4 a.m., I heard his voice saying, get up. The house is on fire. So I get up and we go get our three children. They were two, four, and six at the time. We had to kick out the window. We got out of the house. We got our dog. And basically the house burned to the ground. Now, the way that the story kind of unfolded is we had a two-year-old who was still had a passy at night. And my then husband heard him crying and he got up. And when he did, we had a blanket hung up between one part of the house and a, a den we were remodeling. And it was near a wood-burning stove. And he saw that it was on fire. So, of course, in his mind, he thought that somehow a spark had gotten out of that stove and ignited the blanket. He pulled the blanket down. And when he did, that whole entire den was engulfed. And not only was that room engulfed in flames, but we then found out as we were getting out of the house that the entire attic roof, the whole top of the house was already engulfed in flames too. So we were literally moments from death, but we escaped. Um, The community just surrounded us with love. He was a police officer, still is. And it was in the newspaper. It was all over the news. And it actually turned out to be quite a blessing. So that's the first story. The second story, I began a little bit in my journey on the first episode, which I think I already told you I would put a link to. And that was the story of my hospitalization. I didn't really tell the details of that, so I just want to share a little bit of that with you and what happened. So this story I said was in August of 1995, but it actually had roots before then. Um, A year-ish before, I had decided I wanted to finish my teaching credentials. So I had to go back to school, take some classes, and then do my student teaching in order to teach. So during that time period, I was pregnant with my third child. I had the other two who were small, both like, I think one and three is how old they were. So I had that. I had to take a class. I still had to work, two part-time jobs, and I was student teaching, which is a full-time job. And I was having to write lesson plans and do all that stuff every night. But I was a perfectionist. So, of course, I could do it all and would never suffer the consequences. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I was doing that, and the student teaching started. Now, I selected a school that was in my town because I had the three kids. I had the jobs. If it was in my town, then it was much easier than having to drive, you know, 30 minutes or an hour. I I met with a teacher. She was older. Uh, I don't think she'd ever had a student teacher before, but she was delighted to have me. So I go in every day. She's very chatty, you know, chat, 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 but she never really wants to talk about school-related stuff. She doesn't want to talk about my lesson plans. She doesn't want to ask me any questions about that. And honestly, I was happy to not share my lesson plans with her because, like, I would stay up all night, two, three in the morning, making these lesson plans, but I had no confidence that they were good. So I was like, totally fine. I don't want to share them with you anyway. There came a day where my university supervisor came to meet with us. It was time for my evaluation. So it was the the teacher at the high school, my university supervisor, and me. And she says to him in front of me, yes, she's not doing a good job. She has no initiative. She doesn't care about anything. And sometimes she just butts in when I'm trying to talk to a student without even being asked. I was horrified. 
absolutely horrified. For, for one thing, she had not said one word to me about the fact that she was not happy with the way that I was performing. So I was just devastated. And my university supervisor and I met and decided part of the problem was she, we didn't think she'd ever had a student teacher before. So he decided to move me. So he moved me to a school that was about 30 minutes away. And I walk in and this, this new teacher was a friend of his. So he was like, it's fine. She's happy to have you. I walk in. She looks at me and says, listen, um, it's fine that you're here, but I don't have time to babysit you. So if you can just do what you need to do, then we'll be all good. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, listen, I was pretty timid still at this point. And the mental, mental hospital hadn't even happened at this point. So I was very, very timid, very scared. If you think I didn't speak up before with the first teacher, it was even worse than that this time. And there was a second student teacher in there as well. So the day came when, again, my university supervisor came. But this time our meeting happened in the classroom while students were present. And she said to him in front of me, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with this girl. My other student teacher is doing fabulous, but yours is not. She has zero initiative. Strike two. That was the end of it for me. I quit school. I actually did go into preterm labor because of all the anxiety and and worry and angst and panic. So I quit school. After, you know, the house fire and everything and we got settled, I decided to finish. I did finish. It was okay. It was it was it was difficult, but I made it. Well, then it came time to take a teaching job. So I found a job at a county nearby. And, you know, I went for the interview and I was already in panic mode. I did not want the job, did not want the job. But guess what? I got the job and then I went in full on panic. And when I said that the night is dark and full of terrors, when night would come, because I took the job and I had a few days to to get ready before school started. And I'm in full on panic every single night. I get up in the morning, things seem a little better, but at night I'm falling apart. So I go in on the first day, I teach, everything is fine in the moment. But when I go home and it's night and I begin to think of what could happen, my panic got so bad that my family had to call and quit for me. Quit for me. Six months later, I got another job. But this time, I couldn't even make it in on the first day. The panic was so bad. So they quit for me again. This is when the mental hospital happened. I could not function in life. I felt like I was a complete failure. I felt like I would never be able to live again. I was embarrassed. I was mortified. When it came to the point where I went weeks without basically taking care of myself, hardly eating, caring for my children, caring for our home, coming out of the bedroom, that's when the mental hospital happened. So what's the point of this false evidence appearing real and our unique fears and our reactions? Here's how I process these. Or maybe process these is not the right word. Here's how I reacted to these. You would think that escaping a house fire in the middle of the night, the house burning to the ground, minutes after you escaped, would cause a person to now maybe not sleep at night, to worry, especially if you're someone like me that's genetically 
and then life experiences sort of predisposed to worry and panic. But there was zero fear in me ever for that experience. Not once, even to this day. Now let's move to the other one. So I was criticized. Lots of people get criticized. So what big deal? My reaction to it, right? Falling apart, panic attack, mental hospital. It affected the rest of my life. So how do we psychoanalyze that? That is exactly what we're going to do in just a minute. But I want to interject something here because I think this is really important. Fear is a basic emotion. It's hardwired in your brain. It's something that happens to protect you. So I don't want to drive you crazy with splitting hairs about the words that we use. But if you've been with me for a while, you know that that's what I do. What we're really talking about here, I know I titled it, What is Your Unique Fear? And the reason I did that is because we all identify with that word. But what we're really talking about here are complex emotions like worry, um, terror, panic, dread, horror, all of those things. Fear is the basic emotion that happens automatically. All of these other words that I threw in are complex complex emotions that occur when our thoughts come in. So I'll put a link to that emotions basic episode as well if you haven't heard that yet. It makes a huge difference, difference to use the right word. So I want you to do this. We spend lots of time, at least I think most of us do, trying to figure out why other people act the way they do. We sometimes make assumptions. We often place blame. We come up with reasons based on their past, why this person is passive aggressive, why this person is self-centered, right? But we don't often take time to figure ourselves out. You know, what makes me tick? Why am I afraid of this? Why do I get X reaction when Y happens? I don't mean to be harsh here, but all of us probably need therapy just as much as that, quote, passive aggressive aggressive person at work or, or in your family life who drives us nuts. So let's go back to the false evidence appearing real. I think I said this before. The, the reason I'm not necessarily a fan is that I believe there's always some reason that we're having a reaction to something. And if we simply say to ourselves, oh, this isn't real, this isn't real, that I think that can be helpful, by the way. you got to retrain your brain to stop thinking those those negative thoughts. But if that's all we do in the moment and then just move on, it's almost certainly going to resurface. So I came up with a new acronym for the letters, and I want to process my reactions through these letters. So are you ready? Here we go. The letter F, figure out the reason for the fear. And I'm going to throw in alone or with counseling. I really believe that if we take some time with ourselves, right, getting to know ourselves, oftentimes we can figure it out. Okay, for example, for me, of course it makes sense that I would be afraid of criticism, even though criticism is a normal part of life. I grew up as an outcast, basically, in our not me personally, but our family because of the way we lived. And I talked to you, I think, in my initial journey about mom, we kind of had a filthy house and a really bad yard. So we grew up not not being accepted. I was overweight. I was teased. And all I wanted growing up was to be normal. You know what I mean? To be accepted, for people to think that I was okay. So to have that criticism was huge for me. It makes sense I would have that reaction. But the fire, 
even though you would think that would be something that could cause me great fear because we literally almost died. Well, really, in my family growing up, like crisis and drama was kind of a good thing because it meant that we were all bonded together. My mom and my sister and me, it was just the three of us together. So that didn't really elicit fear in me. <clears throat> and the other thing about the fire was it, it actually, except for all the negative things, losing everything, just, you know, escaping all of that, it became such a blessing because of the way people responded to us. So my memories are mostly good at that. So the letter F is figure out the reason for the fear, alone or with counseling. The letter E, explore the details. Again, alone or with counseling. Really delving in, okay, for me again with the criticism, delving into how that affected me. You know, how deep does this go? What, what are all of the components? And a lot of those I did figure out on my own, but many of those came with counseling. So the letter E, explore the details. The letter A, act. Again, alone or with counseling. Um, I was going to need to learn how to accept criticism because a life without it will never have any growth. So I needed to figure out how am I not going to fall apart every time someone doesn't think I'm perfect. I'm much, much better, but I will tell you, I'm still working on that. Criticism, criticism is not my favorite thing in the world. So the letter A, act. And finally, the letter R, ready yourself for the future. Okay, say it with me, alone or with counseling. See, now you'll, maybe you need to plan to take some risks. Jump out there, overcome your fears. Or you know what? Maybe you decide that's an area of your life not worth the risk. Maybe it's something that's that you're not going to encounter very often. Only you and maybe your counselor will know that. So I've actually had to take some planned risks. Some times where I would go ahead and open myself up to criticism when it was in a safe environment and then work my way up. we got to ready ourselves for the future for whatever it is, because we don't want that fear to come back over and over and over. So I hope you learned something. I shared my stories with you. I put the links in there for the other episodes so you could go back and reference. But what I want you to leave today with is that new acronym. Yes, in the moment, say to yourself, this is not a, maybe this is not real. What my mind is telling me about this situation might not be real. Change that thought. False evidence appearing real. It's not that it's bad. But I think we have to go further. So the new acronym that I want you, and all of these will be alone or with counseling, figure out the reason for your fear, explore the details, act, and ready yourself for the future. And that is our time for today. I really hope you learned something today about fear and that you'll jump in and take some steps to move forward. Please, please, please pass the show link along to a friend or two. Go on over to TammyWest.com and get information if you'd like for me to speak at your next event. Also, you will find all of the promise info and link there on the blog that I will call show notes. The monthly giveaway always comes from leaving a comment on that blog, so be sure to do that. I think this month I will change that giveaway from the t-shirt to the Consider Yourself Hugged mug. 
So the picture is here. Take a look at that. It really is cute. Um, I hope it's something that you will enjoy. And I thank you so much for listening. It truly means so much to me. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every single day of your life. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.